Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is a part of our series, Hook, Line, and Sinker. A lot takes place before a fisherman makes his first cast. And much like fishing, Christians must be equipped with the right tools to share the gospel and to make fishers of men. Our prayer is that you understand what those tools are and that you have the boldness to share what Jesus has done in your own life. Man, excited about today. Um, I've been enjoying this series, uh, Hook, Line, and Sinker, and um, today we're going to talk about sharing our faith. And this whole um, series came out of just some of my own quiet time and some of, some time in prayer and thinking about how when we come to faith in Christ, we're called to go out and share our faith with others. We don't receive it. We're not called to, to just... Uh, follow him, but, but also to go and reach other people so that they become followers of Christ. And so this whole series has been about that. Um, it's been about going out and being fishers of men, as Jesus called those first disciples to be. He called them to come and he said, no, no longer are you going to just fish for fish, but we're going to go fish for men. I mean, we're going to bring people into the kingdom. And he invited them to come and be a part of that. And it's a great um, responsibility. It's a great challenge, but it's also a great privilege. And um, one of the things I love to do is I love to fish. I love, um, hopefully I'll get to do that tomorrow. Um, I love to go fishing and part of, uh, fishing is you have to make a cast. And if you wanted to, uh, relate this to a fishing analogy today, we're talking about making the cast. We're talking about throwing the bait out. We're talking about, um, giving people the opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus about um, the fact that he lived a perfect life for us, that we couldn't live, um, went to the cross, took the punishment that we uh, would never have been able to withstand, um, rose on the third day, um, promising that just as he has life, we would have life, um, forgiving us of our sin when we simply trust in his sacrifice, and then um, now is seated at the right hand of God so that um, we can have a relationship with him. And so, um, it's just being able to go out and share that. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is making this cast. I'm putting it out there for people to hear the gospel. So today we're going to be reading in Acts chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 30. Um, we'll talk about these verses. Then I want to pull some points out of, um, really in verses, uh, about 39 um, down into chapter 22. We're going to pull some um, points out of this. And, and, and you've got a sheet when you walked in or should have that, that has some fill in the blanks on it. You can follow along with that. I promise. I know there's nine points on there. I promise we'll be done by 2.30, 3 o'clock. Um, I'm supposed to play golf this afternoon, so we've got to be done in time. Um, but anyway, we'll, get, we'll get, get through those points. And, and I really want you to see, I hope that by the end of this message that you'll be encouraged and you'll feel more equipped to be able to go out and share your faith, be able to tell people about Christ and who he is. Um, because how many of you have ever gotten to that point where you knew like it was time to share your faith with somebody, like God teed it up, it was time to hit it, and it just was intimidating? Anybody? It's like, yeah, y'all aren't as intimidated as nine o'clock. Um, but, but yes, yeah, it is intimidating. Whether you're a pastor or, or whatever, I mean, you can be a Christian for 30 years and sometimes it just is intimidating to take that step of faith and, and share your faith. So hopefully after this, we'll all be encouraged and we'll all feel more equipped to go out and share our faith about who Jesus is. So let's pray and then we're going to read some scripture and we're going to jump in. Um, God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to get into your word to share, God, um, who you are. And I pray, Lord, that you would set our hearts on fire by the power of your Holy Spirit, that we would go out and be a people who, um, who, who, who shine a light in a dark world, Lord, that your light would shine through us, that we would um, be bold and courageous to share um, who you are and your love and your grace with other people and the rescue that you've done in our life, how you saved us from death and brought us to life, God. 
We love you and thank you. Please, uh, God, do incredible things in our hearts. I pray that by your word it would uh, be living and active. And as we interact with it, God, I pray today it interacts with us in a very real way. We love you. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, how many of you do like to fish? Any fisher, fishermen, fisher people, I guess is the correct way to say it now. Um, yeah, a lot of people like to fish. I enjoy fishing. Um, but there's a couple of things that I know about fishing. One of those is that the big fish always get away, right? The fish that, that you don't get in the boat are always bigger than the ones you do. It just the way it is. And the other thing is that over time, um, fish get bigger, don't they? Like the ones you actually do catch, like they get bigger. It started out two pounds. By the time you're done, it's like a 10-pound bass. And then before you know it, it's a Georgia State record. It had to be, but we ate it. I don't know what we were thinking. And so you know, they're, they're, those things tend to happen. We also, as as fishermen, fisherwomen, fisher people, um, we, we come to this place of uh, having some really odd sayings at times. Um, things that we say, you know, um, like, I, I don't want to go fishing. I want to go catching. Anybody ever heard that one before? You say things like that. Um, some people will say things like, uh, well, a, a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at the office. You ever, you've heard that one too. But one time I was fishing and I fell on a treble hook and it went in my hand and I would have rather been at the office. So that statement's not completely true. It's not completely true. And, um, Others, like I would be fishing with my granddaddy. This was a very confusing thing for me um, at the age of six or seven because my granddaddy would be catching fish and I wouldn't be catching fish. And some of you know the saying that I'm about to say. He would look at me and he said, you're not what? Holding your mouth right. What, what does my mouth have to do with catching? So then I'm looking at him trying to figure out how he's holding his mouth. But he always had a big chew of tobacco. So I'm six. Like, can I have some Levi Garrett? Because I want to catch fish, you know. And so, uh, you know, you got those kinds of sayings. You got other sayings that um, people say, like I heard this one before. And you can, you really um, can relate to this one if you've ever fished with kids. Because you'd have to say it over and over again just to make yourself feel better. But if you're not getting hung, you're not fishing where the fish are. You ever heard that? Yeah, so you, I, I'm not going to take the time to explain it. But but if you're not getting hung, you're not fishing where the fish are. And it's real part a real part of um fishing is you have to make the cast sometimes you get hung up sometimes you catch a fish and and the, the reality of it is in sharing our faith there's times when man we, it feels like we get hung up right it feels like man this isn't working this isn't happening i just tried to share jesus and i don't even know if they know i'm a christian because i totally blew that that whole opportunity right and sometimes man it feels like it clicks and it's good and it works and, and but the, the reality of it is we have to make the cast we have to throw it out there we have to be willing to step up and and tell people about jesus we have to be willing to share the reason for the hope that we have a lot of times i hear people say well i just live a good life and and, and I, I witness that way but the problem is it's not really even biblical i mean yeah living a good life jesus living a good life through us that is biblical. But the fact is, that at some point, we have to tell them about the hope we have. And sometimes that can be very intimidating. Sometimes it's scary. And, and, and that's very true and very evident because when you look at it statistically, about 2 to 4% of people who claim to be followers of Christ ever share their faith. And I don't want us to be that way. I want it to be something that's a natural part of our life. It's something that we just do. It's just a natural part of our conversation, like talking to about the Georgia Bulldogs or the Atlanta Braves or um, a sell at Belt. I don't, I don't, I, I never have good women analogies. I'm sorry. But, but those kinds of things that we just talk about just very naturally, we just share it. It just becomes a part of, it is a part of who we are. So we share it very naturally. 
And, and that's what I want us to see. For a lot of people, I feel like one of the problems, and, and there's probably two or three different reasons, but one of the problems that with us sharing our faith is that some people have just never met Christ. We've been in church all of our life, but we really don't know him. Um, so he's really done nothing in our life. So we really have nothing to share. For other people, um, it's just this reality that we've never been taught the importance of sharing our faith. We, we, we've heard, and this is true, that it's a personal relationship with Jesus. And so we take that and it just becomes personal and we just hold on to it. And it's just about us. And we never really are taught the importance of sharing it. And for the other people, it, it's just the intimidation of, of, of sharing it is so much because we've never been taught how to share our faith. And if you fall into one of those categories or all of those categories today, I'm, I'm praying that God will use this message to help you see that it is possible to share your faith. So let's look at Acts chapter 21. I'll set it up by saying this. This is about the apostle Paul. It's about Paul who um, wrote uh, most of the books of the New Testament. He, he's in Jerusalem. He's gone back to Jerusalem. Um, wherever Paul went, he preached the gospel. And in his day, wherever he preached the gospel, he got in trouble. And people would try to kill him and they would stone him and they would beat him. And he would go through all these different things. And so this is where we're picking up. Paul's in Jerusalem. He's been preaching the gospel. He's making people angry, not because he's trying to cause a ruckus, but just because he's preaching about Jesus and this new way of life and this life-giving God um, named Jesus Christ. And it says here in verse 30 of chapter 21, it says, the whole city was aroused and the people came running from all directions. So Paul's got this whole place in a frenzy. Seizing Paul, they dragged him from the temple and immediately the gates were shut. While they were trying to kill him, like any, that's a bad day, right? I mean, like anytime somebody writes about you and says, while they were trying to kill him, you know, not a good day, not a good um, occurrence here. And, and, and they're literally beating Paul to death. They're trying to kill him. News reached the commander of the Roman troops and the whole, that the whole city was in an uproar. He at once took some officials and soldiers and ran down to the crowd. When the rioters saw the commander and his soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. The commander came up and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd shouted one thing and some another. And since the commander could not get at the truth because of the uproar, he ordered that Paul be taken into the barracks. When Paul reached the steps, the violence of the mob was so great, he had to be carried by the soldiers. Can you imagine this? I mean, this is crazy. It's a crazy scene. It's people are in a frenzy. They have lost their minds. They're trying to kill this guy. He's really done nothing wrong other than talking about this God named Jesus who changed Paul's life and was changing people's lives all around him. Jews were threatened. They're trying to kill him. It says the crowd that follow kept shouting away with him in other words if we can't kill him you kill him let's just get rid of him verse 37 it says as the soldiers were about to take paul into the barracks he asked the commander may i say something to you paul just got his brains beat out they're about to put him in a safe place and he says wait hang on just a second can i tell you something if it were me i'm like get me in there what are you why are you taking so long can you not move me faster than that paul's like listen uh, can i say something to you and the guy looks at me, he says, do you speak Greek? He replied, aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt and led 4,000 terrorists out into the desert some time ago? And listen to this first. Paul answered, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Cilicia, a citizen of no ordinary city. And he says, please let me speak to the people. I want to give you some keys out of these, the rest of this text that, that I believe are huge if we're going to share our faith, that I believe are essential, and that I believe will give us courage to share. The first one is this, out of verse 39, at the end of that statement, after he's been beaten, after he's near death, after he's been um, 
threatened, falsely accused, all of these things, Paul says, please, just let me speak to the people. Just let me talk to them. Not looking out for himself, but thinking, I need to talk to these folks. These folks have done me wrong. Um, they, They beat me, but please let me talk to them. The first thing I want you to write down and fill in the blank there is that you're motivated to share the gospel. Can you see how motivated Paul is in this text to just share the gospel of Jesus, to just come to this place where he's been beaten, he's been um, brutalized, and he comes to this place of saying, I just want to share the gospel. And again, I'm afraid that I would be like, just get me out of here, man. They hit hard. Just get me out of here. And Paul's like, please, can I say something to them? And I was thinking, why was he so motivated? And I believe it's the same thing that motivates us. Paul was rescued. Paul had been saved by Jesus. He knew that the greatest rescue had already taken place. So nothing that these Jewish people, nothing that the Roman government could do to him could take away the fact that he'd already been rescued. And when he was rescued, when he was saved, he came to a place where his heart was set on fire for the God who saved him. And he came to a place of realizing, I want to spend the rest of my life sharing about this God. And he began to do that everywhere he went. And here's the thing about it. When we've been rescued by Jesus, when we've been saved by Jesus, there's something that it does in our heart that sets our hearts on fire, that we become motivated to share the gospel. When I first gave my life to the Lord back in 2000, and uh, I was on fire for the Lord. We lived in Waynesboro at the time. And uh, so we're, we're living there and Susan was in school in Augusta. I was working in Statesboro. So we kind of split the difference there and lived in Waynesboro. And one day she goes into the grocery store and I'm sitting in the truck waiting on her to come out. And I see this lady who, um, granted, I'm recently saved and understand this. When I, when I got saved, like I had this much zeal and like this much wisdom. You know what I'm saying? I was like, I mean, I was like um, dynamite, right? That was just waiting to explode and like with a crazy man that was going to detonate. That's kind of how I was. And so um, I'm sitting in there in the truck and I see this lady come out and she was older and looked like she was kind of frail. And so she's walking along with her buggy, just groceries just piled out of her buggy. And I'm like, there's an opportunity to share my faith. And I thought, because this, when, when I first got saved, I would literally dream at night about sharing my faith. I was motivated to share it. I was intimidated by it. And so I would dream about sharing my faith. And then the thing was, I would wake up in a sweat because it was like that intense. So I was so nervous about it. And so I see this lady coming out and it was almost like a radar went off, right? It was like, and I was like, that's my target. And so I get out of the truck and I start going over to her I don't think I'm that intimidating of a guy, you know? And I start going over. I'm like, ma'am, can I help you with your groceries? She's like, no, I got it. Ma'am, please, can I help you with your groceries? I'd really love to help you with your groceries. She's like, no, I got it. She starts walking a little faster. And then I'm like, ma'am, please let me help you with your groceries. You know? And by this time, she's like, get away, yeah, you know? And so it was crazy, but, but, but man, I was motivated. I just didn't have a lot of wisdom, right? And so I wanted to share, but I totally freaked this lady out, but my heart was set on fire. I just had to learn how to channel that, you know? I had to figure out how do I do this and not scare people, you know? Um, and, and make them think that I'm some crazy madman that's coming after them. And so there was this true motivation, this true desire for people to come to know Christ. And, and I wanted them to see it. And the reality of it is that when we come to faith in Christ, Christ, there's something in us that we want 
want other people to know what we found. There's a love that we've encountered. There's a forgiveness we've encountered. There's a freedom we've encountered that says in our heart, other people need this. And we want other people to know. We want other people to to experience the love of God. And we're motivated. Here's the thing is that Jesus' rescue that motivates us to share our faith, ultimately, you're going to see that it becomes the foundation of what we share. That rescue that Jesus does in our life becomes the foundation of everything we share after that. The next one, the end of verse 39 there, please let me speak to the people. And then he says, having received the commander's permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned to the crowd. When they were all silent, he said to them in Aramaic, and the, the second one is this, look for opportunity. So we're motivated to share. That motivation then begins to look for opportunity. Look for opportunity to share your faith. Where's an opportunity at? Paul here is in this scripture is, is in a place where he very easily could have turned around and began to plead for his life. He could have said, listen, guys, I apologize. I'll keep my mouth shut from now on. You're right. I'm wrong. Just don't kill me. He could have pleaded with him, just give me a second chance. But Paul wasn't so interested in trying to get himself off the hook. He wasn't so interested in trying to save himself as much as he was trying to save other people. That God would use his preaching of the gospel. He saw an opportunity to preach the gospel. Even in the midst of chaos, in in the midst of this difficult challenge in his life, man. He's like, I have an opportunity to share. And he began to do that. One of the things I would encourage you to do is look for opportunity, yes, but also pray for opportunity. Ask God to give you opportunity. Have you, any of you ever started praying like you would pray, like, God, put somebody in front of me today that I can share, you know, the gospel with it. Put somebody in front of me today that I can share my faith with so I can tell Jesus, um, tell somebody about Jesus. Anybody ever, like, done that before? Crazy, isn't it? Like, how it happens. A few years ago, um, a guy, I believe, by the name of Bruce Wilkinson wrote this book called The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody ever heard The Prayer of Jabez? You ought to. It sold like a gazillion copies. And, and, and basically the premises of the book was like everybody that was reading this book, like we were getting blown away by how God was moving in their life. And, and it was very simple. Um, Bruce Wilkinson took this book or took this one set, section of scripture about this obscure character in the Old Testament named Jabez who prayed a simple prayer. And he said, expand my territory. And when he began to, when, when people began to pray that prayer, God, expand my territory, expand my territory, give me influence with people. It was crazy how God began to move in their lives. But why wouldn't God move in their lives and in our lives that way? When we begin to pray, God, give me an opportunity to share my faith. Give me an opportunity to put people in front of me. I mean, God wants people to hear the gospel. He wants people to come to faith. So when we ask things in his name, when we ask things that are in accordance with his will, he puts people there. It's crazy. You'll be standing in line at Walmart and all of a sudden somebody will strike up a conversation and they'll say something, you know, to the effect of, well, you know, I just, I know God will help us through. And you're like, whoa, there's an opportunity. We were out um, in Colorado a while back. You've heard me talk some about this. Um, and we, we went to this ranch that was for pastors and pastor's wives. And, um, and we went out there to be able to, uh, just a time of refreshing, renewal, all these different things. We go out and we begin, uh, to have this, uh, this incredible week. But on the way out there, instead of getting a rental car because we'd have never found our way to the ranch, we just ended up getting somebody that drove us to the ranch. And, and here's the thing. We went to Livermore, Colorado. And I tell you, we would have never found it because this is how I know. I think they named a mountain Livermore because there's, there was nothing else there, right? I really believe that Livermore is like Indian for we don't know where we are because 
it was just out in the middle. If we had tried to drive, we'd still be riding around Colorado. And so this guy named Dave comes and picks us up at the airport. He called us. He said, I'm out here. And so we walk out. We get in the car. And I get in the car. And I'm like, how long does this take? He's like, probably about an hour and a half. And my thought was, I'm in the car with this guy for an hour and a half. I'm not getting out of the car without sharing um, Jesus with him, without finding out, do you know Jesus? And so we start riding. And I'm praying. I'm like, God, just give me an opportunity. Just give me an opportunity. Well, probably about an hour, hour and 15 minutes goes by. Nothing's happening. I'm like, all right, God, pressure's on you, big guy. Need an opportunity here. I didn't want to just be like, let me tell you about the Lord. You know, I mean, I didn't feel like that was the best icebreaker. And so I'm sitting there waiting. And, and, and all of a sudden, he looks back kind of in the rearview mirror. And he's like, so what do you do for a living? It's like, bingo, you know. And I was like, there's the opportunity. And so I start telling him and, and I'm like, man, Jesus did such a great work in my heart and in my life, man. I just want to tell people about him and what he's done for me and what he's done in my family and done in so many other people's lives that I've seen. And, and I just want to share him. And so he starts asking questions and you could tell he was curious. So we get to the ranch. He didn't have long to talk. And I'm thinking, man, didn't get an opportunity to nail us down. Didn't really get that chance. We get to the ranch. We start getting everything out of the car. And he says, you know, if you want to, you can call the car company and request that I pick you up on Friday morning. Sounds like a plan. And so I told him, I said, well, you got my cell number. You ever need anything, call me. He doesn't even get out of the driveway good. I know he couldn't because it was so quick. He sends me a text and says, hey, I'd really love to talk to you some more. I need some spiritual direction in my life. Will you please request that I pick you up on Friday morning? Absolutely. So we do that. We get in the car. We start sharing. I mean, as soon as we get in the car, we're not out of the, the dirt driveway good. And I'm like, so what is it you want to talk about? I mean, the door's open at this point. So we just start talking. We get going. We're sharing. I'm telling him things about me. Um, I'm figuring I'm probably never going to see him again. I might as well tell him all of it, right? And so I'm telling him things about me and, 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 and we're sharing stuff with him and he starts opening up to us and sharing about um, uh, and, uh, some addiction things he'd struggled with and how he had tried church, but he just didn't feel like church was the answer and all these different things that were going on with him. And, and I was just able to begin to share with him about what Jesus had done in me and how he had changed my heart. And we began to talk and literally at one point he goes, man, I, my eyes are tearing up he, and he's talking. He's like, I, I feel crazy. I'm like, dude, I cry all the time. Don't worry about it. You know, we're just be crazy together and so he's like uh he's tearing up and then part of me i'm like man that's awesome god's doing something in his heart and part of me i'm scared because i'm like we're in the mountains and he can't see and so but god starts doing this incredible stuff while we're in the car with him and i'm like dude you got to understand it's not about church it's about a relationship with jesus we come to church to worship him but man it's about our whole life it's about what god does in our heart it's about us sharing him with others i promise you there are people who truly love jesus there are churches that truly want to see other people reach there are churches that not only um want you there but they need you there they need what you have to bring god created you for this purpose he wants to do incredible things in you we just begin to share with him he's talking he's like i know that's what i need i know that's what i need we end up going and eating lunch he bought us lunch and all this stuff man that was cool and so we get to share with him get to pray with him at lunch and it's like so cool to see god doing this and i was like man the bible is very simple it just says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe in your heart he was raised from the dead then you will be saved and at that moment the holy spirit comes to live in you and he's like that's what i need i know i need a relationship with god not making it about this church stuff and so all this goes on and I'm just able to encourage him man he said he had some friends that he could tell were really christians were really living i was like you need to get with those people you need to live that out with them and it was such an awesome thing for us to be able to experience with him and see him coming to this realization that he needed jesus in his life and, and it all happened 
not because we did anything that was so amazing, but just because we were looking for opportunity, just because there was a God gave us that place. And I would encourage you in your own faith and in your own life, look for opportunity, pray for it. God will provide it. If you're motivated to share the gospel, God's going to give you opportunity to share about his son and about what Jesus has done in your heart. Listen to this in verse um, two. This is number three. It says, when they, had all, when they heard him speak, remember up in verse 40, it says that he spoke to them in Aramaic. Verse 1 says, brothers and fathers, listen to my decree, defense. And he says, when they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. They became very quiet. Here's, a, here's, here's number three. You don't have to speak Christianese. Right? Y'all know we have another language. It's only for the people on the inside. Like you never go to work and like somebody's like, what's up, man? And you're like, blessed and highly favored by the most high God. <laughs> and, and you never like, what's up, brother? We don't do that. Like, not like at work, you know? I mean, some people do, but those are the people you kind of like, dang, you know? We don't have to have this other language, like this secret code. It's just sharing your heart. It's sharing in a language that they understood. Aramaic, Paul was speaking the most common language among the Jews. It was, it was the most common language that people spoke. Basically what he's saying is, guys, I'm not that different from you. I, I can speak your language. I understand. I can speak your language. I, I can speak a language that you understand. But sometimes we feel like we've got to impress people with what we know or or make sure we have all the answers before we can share. It's like riding with my kids. They ask all these unanswerable questions. It's like they'll ask, like, Daddy, how do they build a spaceship? Google it. I don't, I don't know. Here's my phone. Google it. You know, I don't know. I don't know how they build a spaceship. And listen, sometimes when you're sharing with people, they'll ask questions you don't know. You don't have to have all the answers. Hey, you know what? I don't know all the answers, but I can find out. I can find out. I met a guy here in the church one time. He lived with a guy, um, um, roommates out at Southern. And, and the guy was, the, the, his roommate was a self-proclaimed atheist. He, he didn't believe in God. And, uh, but the, the guy that I knew began to try to share his faith. Well, pretty soon this guy starts begin to, beginning to be interested. Um, I believe God began to work in his heart and began to draw him to himself, to, to Christ. And, and so he's working his life. Well, he begins to ask questions this guy didn't know. And he did the right thing. He's like, dude, I don't know. Like, don't go off on a tangent and try to answer something you don't know the answer to, right? So I don't know. And so he goes and, and he comes to me and he's like, can we eat lunch one day and let me bring my roommate, let him ask you these questions? I was like, sure. I don't know if I have the answers, but if I don't, we'll go to somebody else. And so he comes, we eat lunch and began to, he begins to share. And um, I began to answer the questions as best as I could. And, and we move on. Didn't really hear anything else from him. Few, uh, I guess it was a couple of months ago, um, the guy that I knew from church comes up to me and he's like, you're never going to guess what happened. I was like, what? He said, my friend was at such and such church. He'd gone home or something. He was at his church and he said he gave his life to Christ last Sunday. I was like, how awesome is that? Like his roommate didn't have all the answers. I didn't have all the answers, but we found out the answers. The answers are here. You don't have to have all the answers. One of the most intimidating things I do every week is I speak to people who some people in here have more biblical knowledge than I do. It's a reality. Some of you have been walking with Jesus longer than me. You've studied more than me. You, you know the Bible better than I do. But what I've found in life and in sharing my faith and, 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 and even sharing the gospel is people aren't as concerned 
with how big my intellect is as much as they're concerned with how big my God is. That's what they're the most concerned with. They're not so concerned with, is God, you know, this or that? What, can you explain everything from A to Z? They're interested in what's God done? If he's so real, tell me about how real he is. Is he real enough? Is he big enough to help me through this addiction? Is he real enough? Is he big enough to help me through this pain of divorce? Is he real enough? Is he big enough to help me through this loss? Is he real, real enough and big enough to help put my marriage back together? Is he really? Well, tell me about that because you seem to have struggles too. Tell me, is he big enough? That's the questions that I get. I seldom, you know, when I get the intellect questions, it is when people are coming at me, not coming to me for, for answers. People who are lost and who are seeking, they simply want to know, is God real? What's God done in your life? Are you willing to share it? Verse three. Paul said, it says, then Paul said, I'm a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia but brought up in this city under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. Number three, Paul found common ground. So we're motivated. We look for opportunity. And, and sorry, number four, we find common ground. We find common ground. We're motivated. We look for opportunity. We speak in a language people can understand. And then we find common ground. Paul is finding common ground with these people. He's saying, listen, I'm a Jew just like you. In fact, I was trained by this guy named Gamaliel. That would be like me walking in and going, listen, guys, it's all going to be good. I was trained under Billy Graham, right? Same kind of thing. Gamaliel was a big deal. And for Paul to have been trained under him tells us that he was the best of the best. Paul had this. He's like, guys, I understand what it is to be a Jew. I understand I know what it is to be under this Roman oppression. I'm like you. I'm been where you're at. I know. I've been, you know, I've been through this. I know what it is to be a Jew, trying to always, by my works, to please God. I understand the oppression that you're under. And he's finding this common ground that he can share with them. And the reality is for us that that's one of the huge things that we need to do as we're in conversations with people, as we're listening to people, as we're talking to people, the thing we have to come to is a place where we recognize in them something that's in us. And the fact is that we all have struggles. We all have things we deal with. There's always common ground between us. I guarantee you, if I sit down and talk to any one of you in here for any length of time, I can find common ground between you and I. We're not that different. We all have struggles. We're all human. And Paul was finding this common ground, this ground that he could share. It was basically a way for him to be able to relate and help them to see this guy, maybe he isn't so different. Verse four and five. He says, I persecuted. This is Paul now still talking to the Jews. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as also the high priest and all the council can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their brothers in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Number five, be transparent. You're motivated. You look for opportunity. You speak a language people are going to understand. Find common ground and then be transparent with them. One of the biggest problems in the church today is that we're afraid to have any problems. And not only is that a hindrance to um, sharing the gospel, but it's also a hindrance to our own healing. 
Well, we're unwilling to share the things with other people that we trust and that we love and that we've come to, to, to know through the church and through a common faith. It's almost impossible for us to heal from that. God designed us not to do life alone. And people outside the church need to know it's okay to not be okay. Because the reality of it is, in some area of each of our lives, that's true. And we have to come to a place where we're willing to share that. Paul goes on in this about, and the fact that he actually had people put to death, not just arresting them, he had them put to death. He, he killed people. He's like, I did this, guys. This is, this is who I was. But Paul could share and he could be transparent because he knew that his shame and guilt had been covered by the blood of Jesus. He knew they'd been forgiven. He knew that 2 Corinthians 5, 17, he ought to know it. He wrote it. Was true. That he who is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. He could be transparent and he could share because he knew it's not about my perfection. It's about his. It's not about my past. It's about the new life that Jesus has given me. And he was able to be open with people and tell them, listen, I don't have it all together. I don't have all the answers. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to glory in my sin, but I can glory in the fact that Jesus saved me. And we come to this realization that God's called us to do the same thing. He was transparent. And how he shared and what he said and who he was. The church has got to get to a place where we're willing to be transparent as well. Verse 6, it says, About noon as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth. Who you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus, where you'll be told all that you've been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that moment, at that moment, I was able to see. Number six, tell how you met Jesus. When opportunities come, you've prayed and God gives you this opportunity. People see, man, they're not so much different than me. You share, man, listen, I, I, I can't say I've been where you are. I can't say I completely understand, but I know that in my own life, this has gone on. And then you just tell how you met Jesus. You tell about your story. That's what Paul's doing. In fact, this is one of the scriptures, one of the texts that gives me so much confidence in God's word because historically we know Paul existed. We know that he was a Pharisee. We know that he became a Christian. We know that he wrote um, most of the New Testament. We know these things. And there was a definite, distinct change in his life to go from a persecutor and a killer of Christians to a man who spent his life being beaten, being, being bruised, being um, killed eventually. For this faith that he used to persecute. And he began to tell people about that. Something I know about every person in here who is a follower of Christ, who is a Christian, who is a believer. You have a story to tell. Every person. And for some of you, it may be like Paul's. It may be that sort of Damascus Road experience that, man, I was going the complete opposite direction I should have been going blinding light, you know, bam, I'm changed. I'm different. For me, it happened at Tattnall Campground in 2000. 
God changed my life, changed my heart, changed me forever. I truly believe it. Changed me forever. Sealed me with the Holy Spirit until the day that he returns. I truly believe that. No one can take that away from me. No one can argue that with me because I know what happened in my own experience. For some of you, you grew up in church. You grew up with, with a family that had faith. And, and you just, you don't know, like, you just know, like, I've always believed in Jesus. That's a story. That's a story. That, that's an experience with Christ. But here's the thing I know is that you can't, tell about meeting somebody if you've never met him and if we don't know him we can't talk about him so we need to be able to share how we met jesus how did you meet him do you know him if you don't we need to talk about that today because i really want you to i really want you to experience his love and grace and the power of his forgiveness and the new life that he offers i want you to have a story about meeting him and about how he changed your life tell how you met him verse 14 then he said The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. And so Ananias is speaking this to Paul. He says, you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because they will not accept your testimony about me. Do you see the urgency in this? God's like, what are you waiting for, Paul? There are people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus. They need to hear this message. They need to hear this rescue that I've done for you and for all who would believe on my name. And he's like, get up, go tell people. And he, Paul says, Lord, I replied, these men know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Paul begins to tell them after he's established his common ground, after he took advantage of this opportunity, after he begins to tell them about how he met Jesus, he begins to tell them how he's different because of meeting Jesus. He says, listen, I was that guy that that used to go around and persecute Christians, but God saved me. He didn't make me get all my stuff together before I came to him in faith for salvation and for forgiveness. He simply saved me. And then he said, now go tell other people about this great rescue I've done for you. And Paul is saying to them, listen, I was this and now I'm this. And here's the reality for everybody who's a follower of Christ is in some way after you met Jesus, your life has changed. Here's the reality for everybody who's a follower of Christ that in some way your life is changing as you followed him because no one meets Jesus and stays the same. There's nobody in scripture who became a follower of Christ and he didn't change their heart and begin to change their lives. So in your story, there's a way to tell people, this is who I was, this is who I am. That's what God's called us to do. Back in verse, that's number seven, share how your life is different. Number eight, back in verse 14 and 15 again, he said in, The God of our fathers has chosen you to know his will and listen, to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. And he says, you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. I want you to understand, and this is number eight, that you're called to tell your story. You're called to tell your story. 
every person in here who knows Christ, who has a relationship with Christ, you're called to tell your story. This isn't just for Paul. It's not just for preachers. It's not just for superheroes of the faith. It's for every person who has met and encountered Jesus to share our faith, to tell other people about the rescuer, this great rescuer who came into our lives and changed our hearts forever, making us different, giving us a hope and a future and telling them why. We have such a great hope. It's because of him. We've all been called to share our story. The results and the outcome belong to God. But the responsibility to share is all of ours. What a great privilege we have to talk about the one who changed and rescued us, who saved us from sin and death, who saved us from being separated from God for eternity. Number nine, be confident. Be confident. Here's the thing. Paul had great confidence in sharing. He knew that he had already been rescued. There was nothing that these Jewish people or the Romans could do. They could take that away. And he shared boldly because he knew that God was going to use him to bring some to himself. He knew that if I will share my faith, if I'll share what God's done in me, if I'll share what God's doing through me, man, People are going to come to know him. I may endure um, this, this trial. I may endure this, this, this pain for a moment. But they're so light and momentary compared to the glory that awaits me. And he shared with confidence knowing that if I'll share my faith, other people are going to come to this place of knowing Jesus. We should be confident because God has commissioned us. God's called us to this. God has told us to go. He said, all authority has been given to me. Jesus told his disciples and he said, go, make disciples. We should be confident to do what God's called us to do. When I was reading this text and began praying through it and and, and trying to to get my mind around it and God, what is it you're wanting us to see in this and how do you want me to share this? And I began um, reading it. I I got to the end of like chapter 22 and, 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 and I'm like, okay, where's the fruit? Because when Paul shares, it's like, I expect there to be some salvations taking place. And you know what ends up happening? Like, he gets beat some more. He ends up uh, getting put in prison. He ends up uh, going and, and, and being shipwrecked on an island. He goes through this horrible boat ride, right? As they're trying to get him to Rome. But God had called him to go to Rome. And all this stuff started happening. He even got bitten by a snake once he was shipwrecked. I would have died. Like, it didn't matter. It could have been a green snake. Snake bites me. Heart attack right there on the, on the spot. But Paul threw him in the fire, it says. So he's, that's why I like him is because he killed a snake. And so Paul goes through all this stuff. And so I read through 22 and I'm like, no fruit. I went on through 23. Don't see any salvations. I went on through 24. Didn't see any salvations. 25. Didn't see any salvations. 26. Didn't see any salvations. 27. Didn't see any salvations. And then I finally get over in 28 and I'm almost through 28. I'm like, did Paul do all this in vain? I mean, what, what in the world? He's sharing the gospel. Wouldn't it bring fruit? And I'm thinking, man, what in the world? This is the apostle Paul. He's sharing the gospel in all these places and all these different ways. And there's not one record of anybody coming to faith in these chapters. And then finally I get over into verse 14 of chapter 28 and this is what it says it says some were convinced by what he said but others would not believe paul ended up under roman guard in his house basically under house arrest 
and he would share faith, his faith with people. Different people would come by and he would share. And it says some of them believed or some of them were convinced, but others just walked away. And I thought, wow, he went through all those things so that some would believe. But how awesome is that? That some, some believed. And I wonder as a church, are, are we willing to step out in God's promises and, and to trust that he will do and fulfill what he's called us to do and share what he's done in our life and share the gospel with people that Jesus does save. Jesus still rescues. Jesus still does work in people's hearts. Are we willing to step out and do that knowing that some will be saved? One of the hardest things about mis- uh, ministry is to share your faith with people, is to, to pour your heart out and then to see people simply walk away. But it happens. But you know what is so great? gratifying and so amazing is hearing testimonies about like a girl last week who who came to church and was sitting in her seat and felt unreachable had been in church all of her life had come to this place of thinking there's no way God could love me walks outside and prays with somebody receives salvation and this week says I feel like a new person that's why we do what we do there were 700 people or so here last week you know what? Some were saved. That's why we do what we do. That's why we endure. That's why we go through difficult times. That's why we go through challenging times and we continue to share. Even when it seems like we're going through a dry season and we're not seeing people come to know Christ. That's why we continue is because God is faithful and God will continue to be with us. His love never fails and he's going to bring some to himself and we're going to keep preaching. And I pray that we wouldn't just be a church that preaches it in here that we live it and we preach it out there because there are people who need to know that God loves them that they aren't unreachable that he's right here he's not very far from them if they'll call on his name he'll rescue them too and I pray we'll be a church that's heart set on fire by the rescue that Jesus has done in us and that our life's mission whether we're at a bank or in a school or in a factory or a daughter's of wherever we are. That our life's mission would be to tell other people about the great rescue of Jesus. Let's pray. God, thank you for your love and your grace in our lives. Thank you for your power. Thank you for calling us to you. But I pray you would set our hearts on fire to know you, to love you, to be God, just ambassadors of this message of hope and freedom that you've given. God, I thank you that you do save and that you will save some as we proclaim your gospel. God, I ask that you would do a great work in the hearts of many as you bring them to yourself. God, I thank you that your word is very clear that we're competent not because of who we are but because of who you are, that we're made righteous not because of what we've done but because of what you've done we're competent ministers of the gospel not because we know every answer but because you've made us competent you said we're competent you filled us with your holy spirit that gives us wisdom as to how to share and live God, help us tell our story who we were how we met you who we are help us to change this world bringing your light into it into a dark world God, we thank you for loving us, for saving us. We'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name.